0: We've done everything that we can, and I'm moving on from it now, because I've lived through 15 months of three investigations that have now confirmed everything I said 15 months ago.
1: From WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, it's the Christie Tracker.
0: If I decide to run for president, I want you to pin me down. I'm a Republican, so I'm not hostile to people who have been successful. I just want to announce to the Red Sox fans in the room that I am a New York Mets fan. Uh, (laughs)
1: I'm David First here with Matt Katz, who covers Governor Christie for New Jersey Public Radio and WNYC and is writing a book on the governor for Simon & Schuster. Later, we're going to speak with Jonathan Rausch, a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution and the author of the e-book Political Realism, How Hacks, Machines, Big Money, and Backroom Deals Can Strengthen American Democracy. He says there should be no criminal charges for Bridgegate, and it's important to preserve a political system that rewards allies and punishes defectors. But first, Matt Katz, uh, another week in Christyland. He just got back from another trip to New Hampshire, and, oh, he's there again. He uh, Should he just be taking up permanent residence in the state with the first-in-the-nation primary at this point? It does seem like that's the case. He was there last week, this week, and he's going to be
2: back next week. And every time he meets somebody there, he says... It's good to be back,
1: and I'll see you again. It's good to be back. I'll see you again in like five minutes. But (laughs) the story that got everyone talking uh, over the past few days involved food and drink expenses racked up at MetLife Stadium.
2: Yeah, this is really crazy and a, a little bit infuriating. Last week... Uh, the Associated Press did a story. They were able to get these records that nobody's been able to get before, indicating how much money uh, the governor was spending from this account that he gets, like all governors before him, for entertainment. It's $95,000 a year that he gets on top of his $175,000 salary. And governors use it to entertain lawmakers and whoever else at stadiums uh, in their luxury boxes or in Drumthwack thwack at the governor's mansion. So they had a pretty sober headline, Christie billed state $85,000 on VIP boxes. And then it said GOP reimbursed it because it turned out back in 2012, the state Republican Party reimbursed these expenses for about $85,000. So You know, the story got a little bit of attention, not much of attention. And then on Monday, New Jersey Watchdog, which is an investigative site, um, drilled down a little further and realized these expenses are for food and alcohol and desserts. So they write a headline, Christy buys $300,000 of food and booze with New Jersey expense account. After that, the clickbait-obsessed, fat-shaming, journalists throughout the country kind of went nuts
1: taking advantage of of uh, doing a story about chris christie and food
2: this right this was not any sort of fiscal watchdogging that emanated from this piece this was a way to get people to click on how the governor supposedly ate three hundred thousand dollars worth of food because he's fat isn't that hilarious
1: and finally, everybody knows Chris Christie loves football, but nobody knew just how much he loves to snack during football games until now, according to a new report. This was Watched
2: the New York Post lead. Chris Christie gobbled up $300,000 worth of food, alcohol, and desserts during his 5 years as governor, more than 80% of his state allowance, a report said gobbled up. They ended up changing that lead, by the way, but not after I tweet shamed them by tweeting it. Fat
1: shaming to tweet shaming.
2: Yeah, exactly. By the way, he's entertained most of the New Jersey press corps at Drumthwacket. Um, he's entertained, I was told, approximately 95% of the Democratic legislature in luxury boxes and at, at stadiums and at Drumthwacket through his term in office, giving them food and booze and desserts. So that's what this number comes from and you can argue one way or not that this is a good use of tax dollars and but that's not the issue that I have this is salon how on earth did Chris Christie spend over $80,000 on snacks at football games I I, I, this is not what it was about and this is the the subhead that adds up to somewhere around $13,000 in hot dogs and then they have
1: a picture of Christie looking heavy. So this is lazy joke writing, but does this uh, have an impact? Does this hurt the governor?
2: I think it does. First of all, it makes him uh, appear, you know, he, he's had a reputation for spending too much Money for his own purposes, like, uh, you know, many thousands of dollars a night for a hotel room in Jordan paid for by the king of Jordan. Couple that with the story about this idea that he eats $300,000 worth of snacks. And it gives the sense that he's out of control.
1: Let's talk about uh, the recent events in New Hampshire. You you described uh, his trip last week as politically successful. And, uh, you know, when Christie hits a diner, he draws a crowd. The media follow his every move. His town halls go over very well. But is he starting to convince any voters in any meaningful, measurable way in the state? Not in a measurable
2: way. I mean, anecdotally, I talk to people. They're like, yeah, I like him. I'm going to vote for him after they meet him. But, I mean, this is not shown up in the polls, which still show him to be in the
1: doldrums, there. Okay, so why was this trip politically successful?
2: It went pretty well. I mean, he got a, he got a good amount of media attention. Um, he had a good reception with the diners that he went to. He had a very crowded town hall meeting at a bar. Things kind of took a turn at the very, very end when he was on his way out of town.
3: How about a slightly tougher question from an old Jersey girl? All right, For that, let's do it. Okay. Born and raised in Teaneck, New Jersey, very close to Fort Lee. Father worked in Fort Lee for years. Mm -hmm. When I heard about the bridge scandal, I was beyond horrified. You have said that you knew nothing about it, and I have to accept that out of respect. However, people with whom you work very closely somehow got the idea that that was okay. And I'm worried about having a president who has people around him who think that that's okay. I feel like the people of Fort Lee were the sacrificial lambs. It reminds me of feudal times. I'm furious. Feudal I times tell. when the king would say, oh, who cares about the peasants?
1: And there's the question. This is what happened at uh, the town hall at Fury's public house in Dover where uh, Christy uh, had to answer a question about Bridgegate.
2: This was extraordinary. I mean, we were, the reporters in the room were packing up our gear. We thought it was uh, time to go. This was the very last question. And this woman was upset. The governor then gave a very long,
0: passionate, defensive answer. First off, I appreciate, out of respect, whether you really believe it or not, that you believe me. Okay? Because I didn't know. And and the reason that you should believe I didn't know is, is that it was so monumentally stupid that yes. you could think a lot of different things, people have called me a lot of different things over time. Stupid has never been one of them. okay?
1: The governor's not stupid, so he this, this couldn't have been uh, part of his plan. right, but
2: after that, and that's a legitimate argument, one that I actually you know hadn't heard him make before, um, but then he goes on and he says something that was you know it smoothed over the details a little bit.
0: when you're a leader. And you have something like this hit you like a two by four across the forehead. And that's the way I felt on January 8th when I heard about this. The way you judge whether a leader, in my view, is effective or not is what do they then do? That day, the people who, based on the information I had, I believed were responsible for this were fired. In fact, only one person who has now been
2: found to be responsible by U.S. Attorney Paul Fishman, um, and that's Bridget Ann Kelly, his former deputy chief of staff, were fired by the governor. The two other people, David Wildstein and Bill Baroni, whom the U.S. attorney says was responsible, actually had resigned with praise from the governor. He's selling this to a New Hampshire crowd that doesn't exactly know all the you know, ins and outs of what happened by saying that once he found out what happened, he fired all three people that the U.S. attorney has said were responsible. That's what he seems to be insinuating.
1: All right. Well, Matt Katz covers Governor Christie for WNYC, New Jersey Public Radio. Thanks again, Matt.
0: Thanks, Dave. The great thing, I've had a lot of people in New Jersey who've seen me up here in New Hampshire now a few times ask me, so what's it like? And I tell them this one story from the town hall meetings I had a couple weeks ago. As I was in the town hall meeting, I was looking over at a woman who looked incredibly familiar to me, but I couldn't figure out where I knew her from. And when I'd look at her, she'd smile, and i okay. And so I got through the whole meeting, and I was shaking hands with folks afterwards, and I went up to her, and I said, ma'am, how are you? I said, you know, you look really familiar to me. I said, have we met? She said, well, yes, Governor, we have. I said, where do we meet? She goes, well, I was at your town hall meeting two days ago in Londonderry. And now I came to this one in Exeter. I was like, wow, that's great. I said, thank you so much for coming to both meetings. And I shook her hand and she said, well, aren't you going to ask me why I came to both? I said, okay. I'll take the bait. I said, why did you why did you come to both? And she said, because I wanted to make sure you were saying the same thing here that you said there. This
1: is the Christy Tracker Podcast. I'm David First. Christie trackers may obsess over every detail of the Bridgegate indictments, and some wonder why more administration officials weren't included in those indictments. But Jonathan Rauch, senior fellow at the Brookings Institution, has a different view. He argues that charging those accused of being part of the Bridgegate scheme with federal crimes may be worse than the traffic scheme to begin with. He wrote a column for the L.A. Times arguing that very point and joins us now. Jonathan, welcome. Great to be here, David. Thank you. Just to be clear, Jonathan, you don't defend the alleged actions of officials accused of cooking up a traffic jam as political retribution, but you do offer a spirited defense of machine politics and actually political
3: retribution. Can you explain? I've been looking lately at why things are not working in Washington, and a big part of the reason is that we don't have a crisis of leadership around here. We have a crisis of followership. It turns out there's very little that the Speaker of the House, John Boehner, can do to line up his caucus to actually pass anything. A small minority of them can derail stuff. And that turns out to be partly because there's so little left by way of rewards and punishments that leaders can meet out. So I went off and looked at political machines and the way things used to work, And discovered, not surprisingly, that we used to live in a time when it was taken for granted that if you crossed a political boss, you were going to have some trouble for that. More important, though, political machines mostly don't punish people. They reward people. They give them stuff, you know, perquisites, earmarks, pork for their district, um, names of post offices, campaign money, favored spots on primary ballots. That's just an important part of how politics is played. So now we get back to New Jersey. Um, What what those guys, what the Bridgegate people were doing was moronic. It was wrong. It was dangerous. But if you criminalize it, if you make it a federal crime for political people to try to punish their enemies and reward their friends, you're going to make it very hard to do politics. And that's what I'm worried about. You know, those guys were punished— Pretty darn well by losing their jobs, being multiply investigated, and their boss's presidential hopes were basically trashed. That's enough punishment without having federal prosecutors come in.
1: So bring back Tammany Hall? Is that uh, the the way things should be?
3: Well, you can't bring back Tammany Hall, and you wouldn't want to. You know, Tammany was Tammany was our grandparents' generation, but you can. do do is stop the trend that we've been seeing now for 40 years toward criminalizing the things that politicians need to do or abolishing those things. Um, For example, we've passed all kinds of laws that criminalize politicians coordinating what their givers do with what parties and candidates do. The result of that is not to actually make the coordination go away. It's to drive it all underground, to make Super PACs spring forth. What you do when you try to criminalize politics is is you don't make the stuff you don't like not happen. You make it surreptitious and even harder to control.
1: So the appropriate response to Bridgegate is that uh, we found out about it. These people lost their jobs. End of story.
3: Yep, it should be punished in the political sphere. These guys lose their jobs, and you know, in politics. If you're Chris Christie, there is no punishment more severe than losing your chance to be president of the United States. If what you're after is deterrence, getting people in politics not to do brainless, stupid, dangerous and abusive things that are in politics, you want to punish them politically because that's the language they understand. And that's what we were doing until the Justice Department decided to stretch a federal law to see if it could put some people in
1: jail. Lumping Bridgegate in with this idea, isn't that going too far? I mean, this was a scheme allegedly uh, designed to punish a local Democratic mayor for not endorsing the Republican governor. But this resulted in the punishment of thousands of innocent citizens, seniors, oh. children, uh, people just trying to get to work, everybody. Uh, plus, they, they use the resources, uh, the assets of the government.
3: Well, there's a couple of things there. None of what I said is defending what these guys are doing. The proposition that I'm devoted to is that multiple year prison sentences for people who do boneheaded political stuff, that's not a good idea. Because what happens then is you start substituting the judgment of prosecutors for the judgment of politicians. It's important that prosecutors work for politicians and not the other way around. We don't want politicians to be in situations where they're constantly worried about going to jail if they try to line things up to help their friends or hurt their enemies because that criminalizes politics itself.
1: But if in in the process of doing this, they hurt a bunch of innocent people and if a law was broken, shouldn't there be a,
3: a criminal punishment? Well, my law professor friends say that in order to get this indictment, DOJ has had to really stretch a statute, which was not intended to be used that way. I'm not an expert on the law, and and we'll see. Prosecutors are getting pretty creative here. Um, We need to resist the impulse to reply to everything with zero tolerance and, and jail terms and that kind of draconian response. That's likely to overcompensate.
1: All right, Jonathan Rauch, have you uh, ever been stuck in a four-hour traffic jam? Oh
3: yeah, who hasn't around here? <laughs> uh, I'd you... be I'd be mad as hell too, but I'm not sure I'd want anyone to go to jail. Jonathan Rauch, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, good to be
1: here. Jonathan Rauch, a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution, the author of the new e-book "Political Realism: How Hacks, Machines, Big Money, and Backroom Deals Can Strengthen American Democracy." The Christy Tracker Podcast is a production of WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, thanks to associate producer Joseph Capricleone. Our theme music is by 29 Hour Music People. You can subscribe to the Christy Tracker Podcast on iTunes, you can like us on Facebook, and you can follow Matt Katz on Twitter at MattKatz00. That's Matt, K-A-T-Z. I'm David First. Till next week. Stay on your toes.
0: Gotta be on your toes. You never know what's coming. Yeah. Never know what's coming. Now, yesterday, all I got asked about was Tom Brady all day. So <laughs> oh, yeah. you never know. You never know what's gonna hit you.